Hey, it's Alan Ferguson. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Pipeline to Profitability, the podcast for home service professionals. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Service Success Academy. Today, I'm joined by Drew Cameron. Drew is North America's most sought-after sales and marketing strategy and success advisor to home service contractors. He is the founder and CEO of Flow Odyssey, president and co-owner of Energy Design Systems, also Contractor University founder and faculty member, resident expert of Contractor Connect for the Electrical and Gas Industries Association, EGIA. As well, he is the president of the Cameron Family Foundation for Trade Scholarships. Drew is a renowned author, speaker, educator, coach, consultant, software developer, and international consultant award winner for the National Comfort Institute, 2023 Influencer of the Year. So let's bring Drew into the podcast. I want to welcome Drew Cameron to the podcast. And, uh, you know, we've known each other for quite a few years now through some of the industry greats. And uh, I've always wanted to get you in on the podcast and get your perspective of the industry. So maybe um, tell our listeners a little bit about Drew Cameron and um, and and some of the things you're up to, and then we'll we'll get into it. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Alan, and uh, always you know, great to see and be with you and and chat. So, yeah, by way of background, I grew up in the industry from age six to eight. I was probably emptying ashtrays and trash cans in the family business, and then picked up the tools at age twelve after swim team practice and worked in the in the field for a while, and then the warehouse, and then got into the the sheet metal shop, and then the office because I kind of grew up in the HVAC uh, side of the trades, not necessarily the plumbing. Although we did boilers and water heaters and some light plumbing. And uh, then eventually got into you know management and um, sales management, office management, marketing, and eventually general manager of the company before we sold the business. And that was in 1996. And then I um, uh, worked for that company for about, you know, the utility that bought it, uh, did a consolidation in 1996, did that for about 18 months. And then I went to the publicly traded company um, that was out service experts at the time and did that for 18 months and then, uh, jumped ship in 1999 and, and started doing my own training, coaching and consulting for home services contractors. So, uh, you know, mostly on the business development side, but we work on the organizational structure as well. Vision, mission, purpose, core values, organizational structure, uh, financials and pricing. And then, you know, once we have that structure set and the operations kind of set, then, then we can focus on the the marketing, the promoting, the selling, whether that be through sales professionals or technicians. And so I've uh, been doing that since 1999 and uh, then bought a software business in 2014 that creates sales tools for home services contractors. And um, so I've been doing that, you know, for the last little bit and that's been interesting and fun. So yeah, that's kind of what's got us here to today. And then uh, somewhere along the way in there, I think it was 2016, um, Helped to start the Contractor University for EGIA, which is the Electric and Gas Industries Association, where we have about, uh, about 1,400 or so member companies across the United States and Canada and a few other spaces that uh, it's a best practices group with a lot of live classroom training, online live virtual training, plus a lot of recorded and downloadable content to help contractors in every aspect of their business. We got a great team over there that I get to work with and so that all keeps me pretty busy, Alan. <laughs> Love it. I do know uh, I have um, 
been to some of the events and uh i've had walden long on the podcast he's an interesting fella love yep. his story uh read his books been following you for a long time as well and uh you know i know you're one of the um you know one of the um the greats in the industry and i hope you don't mind me saying that but Appreciate that. we touched on the importance of best practice and uh you know i'm um, I've worked with most of the best practice groups, not all, um, some of the bigger ones. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, as much as I've probably spent more time working with Service Roundtable, Service Nation, because I was good friendship with Matt Michelle and David Heimer, I believe any best practice group, whatever's good for the industry, I'm with 100%. Um, and there's really no secrets. Um you know, and one of the examples I'll share is, uh, you know, the new buzzword in the industry is call by call management. Well, um, you know, might happen to be something that we introduced into our company probably in 2013. It just wasn't called call by, well, it was called by call by call. Right. <laughs> we didn't actually call it that, but that seems to be a real buzzword at the moment. So I know you're a sales guy and you've worked with hundreds, not if thousands of sales professionals. And and I did a podcast, uh, a recent podcast with Andy Hobikia from Hobikia Services. And we touched on this. Mm -hmm. Most companies out there don't have um, the the top sales guys in their company. So right. it's the companies that, you know, they may be starting out and they're, they're struggling in that area. So what's, what's some tips that we can give them if they don't have those professionals how they go about finding them do they need them um so there's quite a few questions i'm throwing at you but i know this is an area that you've got a definite amount of expertise right yeah no and and i i, I agree with everything you said there and so you know in the home services trades you know what you come to find is that typically it's the owner uh or someone related to the owner uh that's typically doing the sales right because you know, everybody starts out small, probably independent, and and that's how they get going. They're doing everything, including the sales aspect, as well as the installation and the service. And then as they evolve and they add players to the team, probably sales is the last, um, the last task that an owner should give up out in the out in the field. Right? You can give up maintenance and service and install um, out in the field. And then the last one you can give up and should give up is, is is sales. And you should turn that over to either technicians that have that desire to do it and are willing to do the things necessary to do it the proper way uh, and give the customer a, a world-class experience as well as the education that they need to be, to, you know, to make an informed and intelligent decision. You know, I, I, I'm the anti-sales person in this industry. I'm the, my business partner and I, you know, we teach you not to sell. We teach you how to, you know, educate customers on how to buy, how to get value, uh, how to select a contract or what is the right scope of work. You don't want to spend too much, but you don't want to spend too little. And you'll feel good about the decisions that you make and what you spend and, and what you pay and, and the process that you go through if it's based on good information so that you, you could have made a good decision. And, and so, um, you can really get away from sales and selling if you focus on service and just educating the consumer. And then the, the consumer tends to go with that person who educates them because they, they build it. What is, we call a position of trust, um, not a relationship, but it's a position of trust where I feel compelled to act on the information that you gave me. And we call that kind of, you know, positioning yourself as the trusted authority. 
because you come in and, you know, to some extent as an unknown entity to somebody, you, you know, you assume you're a trusted authority because you have some background, but the customer doesn't see you as being trusted. So, you know, how do you get the best person? Well, you get the best person to do that, whether that be a technician or, or a sales professional by finding the person who relates to that, that calling of high service. And I don't care how technically skilled you are or not. Um, and whether you're a sales professional or a technician, it's that you want to give the customer a world-class experience and education and leave the decision up to them. You're not about the high pressure, the, the pushiness, you know, the, the trial close and the close and the handling of objections. Because if you're playing that game, you're working, you're working on the wrong end of the problem. You're working too hard, right? High service is, is just that. I mean, I've never, I've gone to, as I'm sure you have many, world-class restaurants and you've spent a lot of money or someone spent a lot of money on our behalf. Right. And I'll tell you the one thing, it never felt high pressure. It never felt pushy. It just felt like it was just a flawless flowing experience that at the end of it, just you, you talked about it. You probably continue to talk about it to this day. And even though it may, may have been expensive, you felt good about the experience and what you paid. And that's ultimately what this should be, right? And, and so where do we find those people? Well, we find them you know, with our technicians first to say, listen, it's not about selling. It's about serving and educating. You know, for, forget about selling. You're, you're not a pushy salesperson. I understand that has a bad stigma. It's about you, you offering a high service, and that's through the education, knowledge, and expertise that you have. Teach the customer how to buy and where they can get the best value for their dollar. Not the cheapest thing, but the best value for their dollar. And empower them to make a good decision by providing good information. And if you can do that as a technician or as a salesperson, you'll be successful. So love it, Drew. Uh, love yeah. it. You, you and me are so far on the same page. Um, and even though, I mean, as business owners, you know, we've both owned um, companies. Um, we know the difference between a guy that just in it for sales and just wants to make commission. And sometimes we, you know, we structure our business. Um, in a way where it's all about sales. And and one of the things that I learned, it was quite a few years, it was probably when I first started working with Joe Cunningham and he introduced um, you know, the, his concept of call-by-call call management that I learned that you know, appearance, uh, being a professional, um, giving the customer options. Uh, I mean, I've worked with the likes of you know, Charlie Greer going back in the day and the Kenny right. Chap. So I've worked with some of the best sales professionals right. on the planet and they all teach the same thing, um, you know, service and exactly what you what you said is, is important. And, um, you know, let's just think about this. If we were to go into any company, we got up to 100 staff in our company before I exited. Um, any company I would go in, um, in Australia or in the US and get all the technicians together. How many of those technicians said, I got into the industry to sell shit? Right. Um, well, they didn't, right? They got That's into right. the industry to fix shit and pardon my language. But um, I, when I realized the word sales shouldn't be used, I removed it from the vocabulary. I removed it from titles. You, you're not a sales manager. You're a service manager yeah. or a service advisor. And and what we found was we focused on delivering value and and exactly what you've said. So, um, and I think 
every company you go into a successful company has got guys that really can sell but when you dig in and get to know those guys it's really they're doing exactly what you said they're delivering a high level of service yeah and they're not afraid it, to ask for the sale that's that's something else that uh, we need to um to get out on the table too right yeah, and I agree with you about trying to remove the word sales and selling and, and whatnot from the lexicon, you know, from the language. The the problem is it's it's the it's the term that everybody knows, right? And it's the thing that everybody thinks that they want and is therefore chasing. And of course, there's some groups and some individuals out there that their whole online presence is all about sell, 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 10x, you know, a toxic masculinity, testosterone-infused message of grow, grow, grow. And and okay, right? Um, and they're beating their chests and stuff. That's that's a, an approach. I think what you and I are talking about is, um, you know, I talk about. Yeah, I use the term. You know, we don't sell. I don't have a sales process. I elevate the consumer buying experience. Meaning when the when the customer called for service or maintenance, indoor air quality, plumbing repairs, uh, you know, water heater, whatever it might be, drain cleaning. You know, they they have a need and, it, and they have a need, but their need is not what most people think. And if you were to ask most people, most technicians and most salespeople and even most CSRs, when the customer calls your company, what is it that they need? What's They only want one thing and one thing alone. And everybody always says things like they want a cheap price. They want it fixed. They, you know, they want the problem resolved. And, and there lies the problem. We don't even know why the customer's calling us as contractors. The customer's calling us for information. That's all they want, right? And so put the expert on the call, onto the job, right? That can provide the level of information that they need in that moment. And, and so, you know, in my world, the way I look at it is a technician for maintenance or repair uh, or service can take that call so far. And when it becomes a complete redesign of an HVAC system, a duct system, uh, an indoor air quality solution, or maybe even a maybe maybe a major plumbing repipe or something like that, then I'm not saying that you can't educate a technician to do it, but you're probably better off flipping that over to a sales professional or someone who's chosen a life of communication versus working on things. Right? That doesn't mean that we can't take somebody who has worked on things and make them better and more uh, uh, um, communicative, fluent in communication of what they need to say, but they're still on a clock. They're still on on the time in many cases. And and so it's probably better, you know, customers probably better served by somebody who can take the time to do a proper design, slow things down, teach the customer again, what's going on? How do we get to the problem that we have today? And what are your options to address it? Repair, yes, or replace, upgrade, enhance, modify, whatever it is that you need to do. And then that, you know, that comfort advisor or design tech or plumbing, you know, salesperson, whatever you want to call them, um, their role is to elevate the consumer buying experience from the technical portion to the, let me know what I need to know as a human being, as a homeowner, to make an informed and intelligent decision that I feel good about making, right? Because I don't know what you know. And so I'm looking to your company to provide me that expertise. And yes, I may shop two or three other companies to get that information, but the company who usually gets it is the company that has positioned themselves with the highest level of trust. And money is a function of of risk. People don't basically, you know, not buy because of price. They never object to price. They, They object to perceived value, perceived affordability, and perceived risk. And so who represents that? The person standing in front of them. 
And so I have to connect with you as a, as a human being first and build that position of trust and then give you the knowledge and expertise that you need to make that informed and intelligent decision. And that's, like I said, that's what we don't have to sell. We just elevate that consumer buying experience. 100% Drew. That's um, very well explained, my friend. We, um, one of the most powerful things that we found when we um, started to grow was the differentiating the communicator. And look, we only removed the word sales because, you know, the guys just the, bring the sales guy along, the customer is going, what, what, like, what customer rings up to say, send a sales guy out? That's right. And look, um, so we we decided to give the titles like senior service advisor or service technician or drain technician. But um, yeah, it's uh, we found the best combination for us was having the service technician was really good with fixing the plumbing or clearing the drain, knew how to follow a basic process. And then he worked with the senior service advisor who was a sales guy. I mean, no company survives without sales. So sure. I'm not saying that you don't sell, but you just have to get the customer wanted the professional advice. He wanted, you know, someone that can come and fix the problem. And then it's our job I believe as a company, and it's our job to train our technicians and our senior advisors on how to give the customer options to choose from. They want to just fix it, band-aid solution, fine. Okay, it's their money. Uh, they want to take a little bit better option and maybe fix it so it stay, the drain stays unblocked for a little bit longer, great. But I still believe it's our right as the professional to actually give that customer the full repair option. It's no different to going to the doctor and uh, he'll just give you the temporary fix on your heart when really you need a, a bypass or you need something. And if he didn't present that to you, that would be criminal, right? And I see it as when our, when our technicians don't present the, the customer with all the options as a professional, we're doing that customer injustice. Yes, they might say no. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, there's a process to be followed, right? Yeah. And, and a part of what you just said there, I think is, it needs to be highlighted because it is our job as professionals to give you all of the options. Like when you go to a restaurant, they don't basically, you don't walk in and say, well, you know, Mr. Ferguson, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, I am Drew. I will be your server. What were you thinking about having for dinner this evening? You say, well, I was thinking about maybe having a, a steak. Okay. Well, let me go to the kitchen. I will prepare you three quotes on steaks, along with some accompanying sides and a, a dessert and maybe an appetizer or two. No, they give you the entire menu, then they walk you through it, guide you, so you can then have complete autonomy to, to, you know, to decide what you want. And then if you ask some questions about how is that dish prepared, or I'd like to prepare it a certain way, you know, they can, they, you know, they can kind of answer those questions or customize that solution for you. And so I think at the end of the day, having a menu, whether that be an electronic menu or a book menu, and showing the customer everything that's available from, like you said, replacement to restoration to renovation to repair and enhancing those with maintenance and extended warranty and offering the customer like five to seven options, I think, is the way we approach it. But it gives the customer context and it gives them choices. And we call those compromise choices. I know you had Weldon Long, you mentioned, who I hired. Uh, you know, out of prison uh, when he got into the industry for our friend J.D. Vigil. And, uh, uh, you know, we talked about compromised choices. And so 
giving customers things that they can say no to, things you know they won't buy, things you maybe know they don't have the money for or won't spend the money for. What it does is it gives all of the choices context. And so I know I'm saying no to the, the most expensive thing, okay? But what I'm really saying is, yes, not that. Yes, I'd like something down here. I'm willing to spend a little bit less. I don't need you know, the full Monty at this point. I want to go with a middle-of-the-road solution because I don't plan on staying on the house this long. Or it's a, it's a rental property. Or I don't, I don't place a premium on the ultimate water heating solution. You know? and, and, and so you know, giving customers everything, you know, if I could see I could spend $30,000 to solve the problem, but I can spend as little as $572 and everywhere in between, Okay. You know what? No, 572. You know what? Maybe I, maybe I should jump up to that $1,700 option and, and, and maybe put a tourniquet and, you know, on this thing for a little bit and get a, get a better warranty and have you maintaining this and putting it on life support. See, now all of a sudden now I have context because I have choices. But if you just show me the $572 option and the, you know, the $1,200 option and the $1,700 option, odds are I probably take the $500 option, maybe the $1,200 option. Probably not, not many people take the 1700. Some will. Yeah. But see, when that third, you know, that, that 5,000 and the 12,000 and the 20,000 and the $30,000 option now come into play. Well, geez, now somebody may jump up to the somewhere even a little bit higher, but they can't say yes to something they're not aware of. Yeah. It's very hard to sell a solution to a problem the customer doesn't know they have. And, uh, you, you know, like this is the, I think, yeah, you've been around all the the, the best practice groups, and uh, you know, I I go back to. I mean, one of my first contacts was Frank Blau, uh, then Jamie Leichter, who's a friend in common. Yeah, uh, we introduced flat rate pricing to Australia via Jamie. Uh, Jamie's a very smart guy, and you know, Mister HVAC, and he's evolved into software as you are. So, um, no, you're absolutely right. You know, one thing, and and I think. Um, you know, we we do things within our company, companies that are bringing great results. But sometimes it's the lessons from what is not working that we get the most the most uh, from. And I I always share um, this story of a customer that had been using us for years. We uncovered a a pretty major drainage problem. Um, we gave him a solution. He wanted the full the full trenchless drain repair. Um, and part of our process is our, our technicians are meant to check the whole home. Um, this particular customer, big property, he fixed the drain. Um, then um, he was really happy with the work. We do all the processes, the follow-up calls. I think it was a month or two later he called me. Uh, I took the call and he said, um, you know, I've got another block drain to the other side of the house. Why didn't your guys check it when they were here? Wow. Obviously, it would have been cheaper. And you know, when I when I talked to the technician um, about it, he said, "Oh, look, you know, he's the guy's just spent twenty grand. He's not gonna he's not gonna buy anything else." And I'm going, "Well, hang on. Now we've got a really pissed off customer that has like there was a few really nice f words come out. Um, said he'd never use this again. He was really oh, really wow. pissed off. Mm. Pissed off that we did not." take him through and show him and the other thing i've noticed drew is um and you you will probably you you'll know the the solution of this straight away 
you know, we used to do a lot of big drainage repairs, you know, anywhere from um, $5,000 up to $100,000 in, in trenchless under, you know, replacing drains under main roads. And, but most of our work was residential. And I always used to be confused when I'd see all these big drain repairs come in and then notice there was no service work in the home. Um, some of these homes are 20, 30, 40 years old. So why is it that all these jobs that the customers got the money, obviously they've just spent 30, 40, 50 grand, but there's nothing wrong inside the home. Why is that? Yeah, I, it's, uh, I mean, that's not to say that there's not something wrong in the home, but someone didn't take the time to look. Yeah. Right. And, and just ask questions, you know, you know, you had Weldon on, he tells his story about Joe, the concrete guy. Yep. Um, you, you know, you, you know, his Joe, the concrete guy's job is to find everything that concrete can address and can fix and can enhance. Right. And so if you're in plumbing and drain cleaning, you know, as a plumbing and drain cleaning technician, your job is to go in and assess everything inside the house that has plumbing and drains, you know, attached to it, as well as to how it interfaces out on the property as to well as how it possibly interfaces to the public uh, utility, right? Uh, on the underground utilities or the, you know, septic and, um, and um, cesspool, whatever. So you, your job is to look at everything. And I tell customers, I'd rather come out and do a complete and thorough diagnostic, make you fully aware as a homeowner as to everything that's going on and spend a little bit more time than you expected than less time than I should and make you fully aware as to what's going on. That way you can never say we didn't make you aware. And the people who choose to do business with, in this case, I would, your, your company is Omega, right? Yeah. Yeah. The people who choose to do business with Omega Tell us that's what they appreciate about us. Now, that being said, I know we're not right for everybody because we do spend a little extra time and it may take, you know, may cost you a little bit extra on the front side. But this way, you're fully aware, fully informed, and you know, you know, exactly what to do about your home. And the people who choose to do business with us, tell us that's what they appreciate about us. Don't take my word for it. See, this is the beautiful thing about today now, right? Go online and read the reviews. The reviews speak to that. Um, and, and nobody does more plumbing work or pulls more permits or however your, your metric is. But I think if you also go to the, you know, the public uh, permit office, you'll also see nobody does more work than we do for the type of work it is that we do because we pull more permits than anybody else. That doesn't mean we're the largest, but it does mean that we do the right things the right way and, and that we're doing more of that type of work than anybody else within, you know, our area. And so, reviews, permits, uh, you know, testimonials, you know, all of that can kind of speak to that credibility that you're talking about. And, and, and like you said, the customer's asking for it, but in that situation, that customer who spent $30,000 with you on the one side of the house and then came back and got upset and didn't do business with you again, never said no to you basically letting them know about what you might see on the other side of the house. And, and, and he could have been, he could have maybe said no at the time. And maybe he would have said no at the time. It's hard to say. Right. But if, mm. like you said, if we don't make them aware uh, as to what's going on and what they might likely face, you know, in the HVAC world within the, you know, the remainder of the season or the next season, um, or like usually within the next two years, if, if we're that, guilt at what we do and you see that hey a drain is you know 60 percent clogged it's still functioning you know 
Does that mean you shouldn't offer the customer drain cleaning? I, I don't think so. You say, hey, listen, it's not a problem today, but likely, if, and you can get away with it for the next five years, or it could become a problem next year. You know, it's hard for me to say. So I'm going to make you aware of what's going on and what you can do about it. Your job is to make a choice that's right for you, your home, your family, and your bank account. Exactly. So the lesson that I wanted to relay here is uh, when I analyzed all the big tickets that didn't have any service work, all our older homes, it was the the that had a fear Um you know that, and and they're they're presuming that the customer won't want to spend any more money. So they're look, I get it. You 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 focused on fixing the drain, um, and the customer's going ahead with all the options. But why would you predetermine? Why would you make decisions on behalf of the customer and not check all of his drains? You know, what were yeah. they afraid they'd find something, and uh, you know, or is it laziness? Look. It would be great if in our companies that the technicians followed the process for everything. But we were pretty like we 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 trained our guys. We made sure we had uh, processes, checklists to do this. And uh, you know, it's the job where you drop the ball and you don't give the customer the entire solution that can come back and bite you. You know. Yeah. So, um, I think the other side of that too, it could be a fear thing. Or it could just be tunnel vision, right? They go in and they find the one thing and that's what they focus in on is that thing. Cause they, and they don't, they don't widen their lens. Therefore they don't widen the customer's lens, right? And, and it could be a little fear. It could be, uh, they could have some money sensitivities, the technician or the salesperson. And that's the beautiful thing about today, uh, more than any other time before, um, is that we can also finance repairs. Yeah. Right. And, and so if you can basically put together all of the solutions that you're going to offer to a customer, show them the total investment. Yes. But show them the, uh, you know, a small monthly investment that makes it easy and uh, gives them that flexibility and control with their money and let them choose with, again, what's right for them, their home, their family and their bank account. Love it. That's, um, yeah. So there's some, um, some really good lessons have come from this, Drew. And, um, again, I want to appreciate. Um, I thank you for coming onto the podcast. I appreciate everything you do for the industry. So I always like to um, conclude with, um, is there any particular book or podcast that you're honed into at the moment that's really going to be a game changer for our for our listeners, whether it's a book to read or whether it's a, an audible? Is there anything that comes to mind that you're um, interested in right now? Yeah, the book I uh, just finished with is uh, a book by Adam Grant. Uh, he's a, a professor at um, University of Pennsylvania Wharton and Business School. And he's, uh, I think he was picked as one of the top professors in the nation. He wrote a book called Think Again. And, and I think today more than ever, because of how society is structured and how we get information and consume information and yeah, you know, how everybody is like so black and white with information. It's either you believe this or you believe that. And if you don't believe this, you're wrong. And 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 I think, you know, we need to get back to some critical thinking uh, as individuals. We need to teach this younger generation that's coming into the, you know, to the trades about critical thinking. And so think again is about really honing your critical thinking skills. And and just when you think you have, you know, the answer or the ideal answer. You know, maybe ask yourself another question. Maybe ask yourself a different question or a better question or a more compound question. And, and I call basically, instead of being smart, 
be a genius because smart people think they have all the answers or should have all the answers. Geniuses realize how little they know about any given topic and they ask more questions and better questions and 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 they think about like what's the possibility of of something? What's the most extraordinary thing that I could do? And uh, and if you can kind of start to kind of challenge yourself with you know from that perspective, uh, I think you get you get better answers and you, at least you get more options. Let's put it that way. And so be a, you know be smart, but also be a genius and and ask more questions. Love it, love it, Drew. Uh, so how do our listeners get a hold of uh, Drew Cameron? Yeah. Um, and, um, cause I'd love to, you know, help you to promote you and what you're about. So what's the best way to get a hold of you, my man? Yeah. I appreciate you, Alan, for having me on and, uh, you know, giving me this venue, uh, you know, to have a conversation with you and, uh, yeah, certainly EGI contract, my university.com is a great place where you can get a taste of everything that I do and everything that we do as a trade association. And then, um, my consulting and training business is flowodyssey.us. That's the website. My software company is uh, Energy Design Systems, and that's known as EDS.PECH. And so you can try and you, know, you can learn about our sales tools over there. And then um, they can reach out to me uh, via email, Drew at FlowOdyssey.us, or uh, you know, call me direct at 888-621-7888. And uh, happy to help. Uh, again, all home services. Yes, I, I cut my teeth in the HVAC world, but we work with with all the trades and windows, roofing, siding, gutters, generators, plumbing, security, you know, it doesn't matter. If it takes a salesperson or a technician to go in the home and meet a homeowner and help them out, you know, then that's, that's who we help. Love it, my man. Appreciate you and everything that you're about. And uh, so good to see you again. And uh, thank you again for joining the podcast, my friend. Thank you, Alan. Take care, Drew. Take care.